Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. The Lord is in a in a season of undoing some things in the church. He has to kind of tear down some things in order to build up what he wants, because we tend to build our own stuff. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Um, one of the things that he's tearing down right now is this performance mindset that we have in the church. We've come to this place where we expect American pastors to get up and perform a great message for us. And um, the Holy Spirit's not going to cooperate with that anymore. And at, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I love this. We've had this example before us all along, the Apostle Paul. Let me read this to you. He said that, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom but in the power of God. That's where we are. He's going to tear down all these humanly persuasive speeches and ways that we do things so that we only rely on the power of God. Speaking of the power of God, I want to remind you of the prophetic word I got at the end of January for our church. I haven't even mentioned it since then. So powerful. But as I was praying in the spirit in my office, um, I was just praying. And then the Holy Spirit gave me the interpretation to what I was praying. And here's what he said. He said, no limits church will occupy the city of Owasso until Jesus comes. Our leadership and our influence will make Owasso a safe haven until he comes. And we will occupy Owasso by owning businesses in Owasso. We'll be serving on city council and the school board, and we'll actually have three church locations at some point. We'll have east, central, and west. We'll have one close to Highway 75, one right here smack dab in the middle of Owasso by Highway 169, and one on the east side of Owasso. No Limits Church will be the talk of the city. People are going to say this. That's where you go to meet Jesus face to face. That's where, that's where you go to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where you go to get healed and get delivered. We will become the leading force in Owasso. There will be no other organization that will have the influence that we do. And the reason is, is because we're going to, ex to steward the influence well. It'll be marked by righteousness. And I'm not saying that we're going to be the only church that's a part of this end time move of God. There's going to be other churches in Owasso that are like that. But God is going to use us to lead this. Isn't that amazing? That's so amazing. And so today's message... Well, maybe, I, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe not. Let me just roll with this. I had another thing planned, but now I'm being led somewhere else. So today's message is, um, the title of it is Preparing for the Glory of God. The word tells us that his glory is going to manifest in a greater way in the last days than it ever has before. It's going to make the book of Acts look pale in comparison to what happens in our time because we're going to have the former and the latter reign together. Wrap your mind around that for a minute. That's amazing. 
But today is a preparation for what's to come, because to experience the glory of God, it requires purity. A church without spot or blemish. That is the description of the end time church. He didn't say a church that puts on a great performance, a church that has a great sound system and whatever. No, he didn't mention any of that. He said a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a holy church, a pure church. So I'm going to take you to Acts 5. Anybody know what story is there (laughs) in Acts chapter 5? It'll probably sound familiar once I get to reading it here. But there was a certain man named Ananias. Now we know, huh? Who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles. Keyword, part of the money to the, to the apostles. Claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, oh man, she played along with this one. Usually our wife keeps us in line. What happened here? With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. This was your choice. You didn't have to give this. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. So was the problem the amount of money that he gave? No, the problem was that he was lying about what he gave. About three hours, oh wait, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Talk about a church service to remember. Everyone who heard about it was terrified, and then some some young men got up and wrapped him in a sheet and took him out and buried him. That's a new job for the ushers, right? Wow. (laughs) About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Was this the price that you and your husband received for your land? Look at that. He gave her a chance. That's amazing. Mm, Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they'll carry you out too. Peter. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone who heard what had happened. This is not a, uh, this is like a legit story. Like this, this, as it was written, it happened. This isn't some kind of allegory or anything like that is how it happened. So why did that happen then? And we don't see it happening today. You think people lie in church today? I'll tell you, it's because the glory of God was so powerful, so evident in those services back then that it required purity. And if you stepped outside of that purity, you paid the price. 
And how do we know that the glory of God was so evident back then? Is because if you keep reading, you'll find out that Peter's shadow healed people as he walked by them in the street. That's an amazing manifestation of the power of God. And that's what was going on in those services. And what we experience here in these last days is going to be greater than that. I don't think you want to be caught lying in church here pretty soon. Like I said, today is a preparation for what's to come. And I know we giggle and think it's funny, but if this happened then, ushers get ready. Do what? <laughs> so the glory of God requires purity. I heard a great or a great explanation of this by John Bevere last night. It's funny. I was. It's funny how the Lord works. It's not funny. It's just amazing how the Lord works. So I knew I was going to be talking on this and. Yesterday, I just turned on YouTube. John Bevere is doing this live stream. What's he talking about? Preparing for the glory of God. He wrote a book about it. And then we had men's meeting yesterday. And what was Mason led to preach on? The fear of the Lord. He talked about wisdom, but we were really talking about the fear of the Lord. It's amazing how God will just like dump on us what we need to know in each season through everybody around us. I want to take you to Romans 3, and I'm going to read this to you. Sorry, Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. It's like, that's not right, Romans. I wrote Romans in my notes, but I knew where I was going, Hebrews. I'm glad I have my bookmark in here. Who was Hebrews written to? Jewish believers, the Hebrews. Keep that in mind. Was it written to the Gentiles? But can we get something out of it? I just want you to keep in mind, this was written to Jewish believers. It'll help you understand what we're reading. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. So he's bringing up Moses here because Moses is what? So important to the Jewish people, right? But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. They're making sure that he's, they're not going to put a man above Jesus Christ. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. God love those if statements. That's why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience. That's a good verse for parents, huh? There your kids tested and tried. Any, that ever happened to you? There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. 
So often we say, if we could just see the miracles of God, we would believe and we would serve him in a greater way. Ha! It's not gonna happen that way. The Israelites saw his miracles. They saw the sea split open. I mean, they saw these amazing miracles. For 40 years, they were fed by manna. He sent pigeons whenever they griped about the manna. I mean, God was just showing up every day for them and manifesting himself, and they still hardened their hearts against him. So I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And they didn't. They didn't get to go to the promised land. So be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. You must warn each other every day so that you will not be hardened by sin. But I thought we were supposed to say hush, hush about each other's sin. When we see our brothers and sisters in Christ being pulled into sin, we are to warn them, get the heck out of there. You're treading in dangerous waters. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Because remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. That reveals something you need to understand today. I want you to notice that it didn't say because of their disobedience, they did not enter his rest. Uh, let me read this last verse to you again. It says, wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So that we see it was because of their unbelief. Disobeyed? Why didn't he say, wasn't it the people who didn't believe in him? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Listen, disobedience is a sign. Disobedience is a symptom of unbelief. If you live a life of disobedience to God, it shows that you don't believe even if you say you do. Disobedience is a sign. It is a symptom of your unbelief. It shows that you're not believing. If you're not obeying, you're not believing. Right? Because the result of true faith is obedience. If you're living in disobedience, God is not asking you to straighten up so that you can earn your salvation. That's not what he's asking you to do. He is inviting you to believe in the only one that can give you salvation, Jesus Christ, because he knows that when you believe, obedience comes as the result of your belief. So that's why it said, wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we can see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Not because of their disobedience. The disobedience was just a symptom of their unbelief. They didn't believe. I've said this, this is kind of like a fresh way of something that I've said over and over for the past two years. When you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. 
When you believe in Jesus, you fo- if you're not following Jesus, it's because you don't believe in Jesus. Kate, how dare you say that I don't believe? You don't. If you're not following him, you don't. If you're living in disobedience, you don't believe. And putting your faith in Christ is not a one-time event. That's somewhere else we've gotten off. We think, well, I said the prayer 20 years ago. It's not a one-time event. It's an everyday decision. And we must warn each other every day not to be deceived by sin. Every day. Oh, this once saved, always saved. I've addressed that before. That's a hard thing to talk about, but it's so not true. Once saved, always, as long as I said that prayer at church, I'm good to go. No, you got to wake up and you got to follow Jesus. It's not your behavior that saves you, though. It's your belief. But when you believe, you behave. Come on. When you believe, you behave. I'm not teaching contrary to the grace of Christ in this message. I'm not teaching that at all. I'm saying that because of his grace, you obey. It's an empowerment to obey. It's an empowerment to escape sin, to find freedom from sin. He empowers you to do that. He didn't say, you know, go and get this figured out first. Go and behave first, and then you can come to me and believe. No, he says, come here, believe, so that you can obey. But if you're not obeying, it's because you don't believe. So do an inner check. Believe in Christ, the only one who can save you. I mean, how are you doing on your own? Report back to me. How's it going trying to save yourself? How's it going trying to live a perfect life? How is that working for you? You got it right for an hour. But I bet you couldn't make it to 24 hours. Because it's only through Christ and it's only through his power that we can walk in true obedience. And you know, I believe because the scripture tells me that we will measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ because Christ is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That means that we are gonna measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ, not out of our own effort, but because we believe. We believe. He didn't just forgive us, he freed us. Y'all are getting it, I can tell. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because I know many of you get this. But maybe there's some people in the room today who don't, and this is the first time it's settling in. You're like, I get it. And you're going to walk in a greater degree of obedience. But I just want you to know that our obedience is required. Our purity is required for this last move of God. I don't want you all to be like Ananias. I don't want to be wrapping you up in a sheet and taking you out back. I know that's funny. I was listening to uh, a prophet on... You know, the YouTube prophets, I could do a message on the YouTube prophets. Um, not all of them are legit, but there are some great messages being put out there. I was listening to Kent Christmas this past, from his church this past Sunday, and he was just talking about this, the glory of God coming. And then he turns around, like his worship team is still on the stage behind him. And he's talking about how some people are going to fall over dead in the presence of God because they're not living pure lives just like Ananias and Sapphira. And he turns around, he's like, not all of you will be standing when this happens. Oh my Lord, his own worship team on the stage. Shocked me. I was like, you know, he was being led by the spirit of God to say that because you don't say that to your worship team. 
So today's a preparation and a warning. Don't mess around anymore. This is not a season to mess around. Just say, you know, y'all know what I'm saying. I'm not going to explain it any further. Carrie, come on up. Carrie has the second half of this message today. So I'm passing the baton now. Gary, it's you now, brother. Thanks. Thanks, boss. Yeah, he, he called me, uh, was it yesterday, I guess? Text me yesterday. Said, uh, Carrie, the Lord told me you have the second half of this message that I'm doing today. And I, I, I went to freak mode. <laughs> you know, Carrie, Carrie's not afraid to flow, but Carrie, when he's asked to flow, it just freaked me out. So what did I do? I called one of my binkies, one of my brothers. And I said, hey, man. Ah! <laughs> he kind of, he didn't laugh, but I could hear it in his voice. It's okay. It's okay. This, you know, and we talked about it. And what you don't know is I had, for the first time, my five-year-old grandson, no, three-year-old grandson, and my five-year-old granddaughter that is spending the night for the first time last night. And they were coming over to the house in an hour. So I was like, okay, God. You know, and, 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 and at first I said, call me. And then I texted him back about, what, an hour later, and I said, never mind. I'm okay now. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just being real, okay? I mean, uh, but, you know, he said we were going to be talking about preparing for the glory of God. And the first thing that dropped in my heart was it started for our congregation Friday night. But it was a drip. It was just a drip of what you saw Friday night. He said, you need to prepare and you need to tell the people to prepare. So how many knows God's a God of preparation? I mean, there's all kinds of stories. We could talk about a ton of them, but... He's already taken up half of the message, so we're going to pass over that. Swap. Swap. Hello. No, I got to turn it on. Yep. There you go. And keep your hand off this mic. Yellow. 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 Hello. Is that better? Okay. So anyway, um, we need to we need to realize that this is going to intensify. It's going to intensify, and it's not just this congregation. How long have you had a desire in your heart to see the churches come together? This is where it happens. This is where it happens, and it's not just here. It's not just a wasso. It's in the whole earth. I mean, we've had revivals in the past where people loaded up and went on a plane to go to wherever to go to the revival because that's where God's at. Well, God is everywhere, and, in, and it's going to intensify in the earth, and we need to prepare our hearts for the presence of God. What is glory? Glory is the presence of God. It's simple. In Kerry talk, God comes in the room. God comes where you're at. He enters in, and he's there. Some have, may have heard this term, Shekinah glory. Okay, Hebrew 
It's the name given for the promise of God, the dwelling in the earth. How do you see the glory? In other words, how do we do that? How many knows and have heard about the Ashbury Revival going on? Everybody, a lot of people. Um, You know how that began. And this is where I think I got in trouble with Cade. Not in trouble, but got lassoed. Uh, He, he, uh, he, hey, hey, that family tree does that a lot. I don't know if y'all know that, but I mean, it, 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 Stinky is real bad about that. Um, but, uh, Ashbury, how many young people we got here? Raise your hand so I can see it so I don't have to scan real hard. Red red pie. Nah, come on, Tim. Uh, okay. The young people. Listen to what I'm telling you. The Ashbury started because a young person stood up and repented. (laughs) Voiced, repented, asked for forgiveness, and the glory fell. You cannot have the glory of presence and succeed and live without repentance first. I walked up to Cade before service Friday night, and I told him, I said, Cade, what we're going to see with what's getting ready to happen tonight is we're going to see a great move of repentance. Your hearts are going to shift and change. Those things that you've struggled with for so long, that pornography addiction, that drug addiction, that food addiction, that lying, that cheating, all those things are going to start coming in and convicting you. It's not, it's not uh, condemnation. Thank you. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. Whoo, you guys, I can, I'm, I'm almost, uh, wow. It's, it's conviction that's going to come on your heart, and it's not going to be hard. See, um, where did I put that? I got to find something because it's supposed to be said right now. Um, well, you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. Um, and, and that one person came up and did that in the presence and because of the repenting and the confessing of sin fell. There's another thing that's going to have to happen that you need to prepare for, that you've been holding on to for a long time. There's some of y'all in here that have unforgiveness in your heart. You need to hear me. You think you've gotten rid of it. Can you pray for that person and honestly mean it? That's when you know you've forgiven somebody. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to tell you. I'm here to say you need to prepare. You need to ask and find out in your heart, are you at that point? Praising. How many knows there's power in praise? Amen. Amen. Hunger. For his word, purifying your mind. You actually want, it's not you're making yourself, but you have a desire to get into that word and to purify your mind. Trust God, frog, fully rely on God. That's where we're going. The fear of the Lord is not to be uh, scared about God. It is to be terrified of being away from God. I don't want to be away from God. That's, I mean, your heart is like, God, I don't want to be away from you. I can't be away from you. It's that whole shift of, I can't be away from the hydrocodone. 
I can't be away from that bottle. I can't be away. That's going to change, and you're going to say, I can't be away from the presence of God. I got to have that presence. Prepare yourself to meet him with a spirit of teachability. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I know those stories. Prepare yourself for, and be teachable. What's important to God is important to me. That's kind of that mind shift you're going to start moving into. You know, I mentioned praise earlier. Praise is so, so important and such a vital and integral part of all of this. Haley, one of my, I call her daddy's best buddy, was the child that we kept, her daughter, her daughter and son were the one we kept last night. But I still remember the first time the glory fell in her bedroom. I went in, she was not feeling good and she had a real bad headache. And the Lord told me, go in and worship me. So I went into the room, I laid down on the bed with her, I put her in my side of my arm and I just started singing, singing. As the deer, you know, I mean, all the old songs. And entering into the point to where it was like, I, I didn't even know what was going on. She fell asleep while I was there. She was a teenager. This wasn't a kid. This was a teenager that is going through things that teenagers go through, Okay. Went into the other room, sat down, and I mean, it was just one of those times where if you've really had the anointing on you and you've had the glory present, you're like a limp noodle, literally. I mean, you feel like you just, and I was sitting in the chair, and I still remember I heard this, Dad, Mom, and I was like, oh, so I jumped up, and she was, she came running down the hall and said, Dad, Mom, you're not going to believe this. There's nothing wrong with me. My headache's gone. All of it's gone. And she was shocked. And I sat there, and I was like, cool. I was like, God's good. God's so good. You know, when, when, when you see that glory and those things come in, it's not about being without sin. Listen to me. I, you you got to hear some of what Cade said and then kind of take this and apply it in this manner. And what I'm saying is, think of David. Think of Paul. Paul was a hothead. David was, well, he had flesh problems. We've got a lot of little kids in here, so that's all I'll say. <clears throat> so, but, but, what, what did they do? They were quick to what? There's that repent word again. There's that repent word again. They led by example for us to see the repentance that we got to have in our hearts. I mean, true repentance. Look for God's glory. Expect it. Get your expectors on. Glory! Okay? Get your expectors on. It takes faith. It takes faith. Hunger and thirst uh, to fellowship with God. 
you know, it's almost like I always like to tell the story of the power of reflection, but there's great power in anticipation. In other words, you know, you have all your photo albums and pictures that you look through and you remember all the good times and there's power in that. I did a message on that, what, last year with the staff, the shepherd staff, and remember the marks in the staff were representation of all their victories that they had had in their life. So when Moses held up that staff, it was like, ooh, yeah, and it's gonna happen, baby. I'm expecting it. I don't know what you're gonna do, God, but do it. And then the seeds. I mean, that's an expectation that you need to have in your heart. You need to anticipate. Anticipate this glory, okay? God's glory will humble every single man. It's so strong that it makes man surrender. David was good at this. He rehearsed and worshiped and attracted God. He literally attracted God because he would literally repent and then he would worship and praise God. And then all of a sudden, he's dancing. He's singing. He's playing the instruments. He's running around in the streets. He's doing everything because of that glory that fell when he repented. You got to be quick like a bunny, man. I mean, here I go, here I go, there, there it is, there it is, the food, the food, buffet, all you can eat, nope, I'm not going to do it, <laughs> quick, quick like a bunny, who used to, somebody used to, I remember, I said, whoa, that was a flashback, sorry, that was for Tim and Darla, um, whoa, I guess more seed got planted there than I thought, um, <clears throat> Okay, God seeks worshipers. He seeks worshipers. He's like, ooh, no limits. Look at that. Okay, he seeks worshipers. Uh, Old Testament. Old Testament, putting away the world. The, like, like when they would go into the tabernacle, if they weren't clean, what happened? Plump. Out, out for the count, baby. They had to tie ropes on them because if they fell down, they would pull them back out of the tabernacle with the ropes. I mean, they—that's they, serious. It's real serious. But the New Testament is putting our hearts towards God, and it attracts God. We put ourselves into the presence of God. We put ourselves. Listen to that into the presence of God. We're creating a means for God to draw near to us. Now look, don't fight this move. There's been several moves in the past that I've been involved in. We've been doing this since 1985. Several different moves came through and you saw certain groups get all stiff-collared well, glory to God, that's not right. You need to put your collar down. You need to open your heart. And you need to be ready and willing to proceed. Because, see, there's going to be two types of people in that. You're going to be the kind that you're not going to participate. Swelled up like a big old toad. I'm not going to do that. Or, man, you're going to be right on the edge, right on the edge saying, let's go. 
Which one are you going to be? Yeah. All right, let's put up some scriptures here real quick. John 11.40. I'm just going to, you know what? I'm not even going to go into the stories. I don't even know. Yeah, we're not going to go into the stories. But I'm going to read a few uh, scriptures here. Is it up there? Okay, thank you. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? There it is again. What's the key word in that? What's believe? Faith. Faith. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember, he comes to earth. The glory is in the earth, in the room. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Let's go to Acts 7-2. And he said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in mess of something or another before he dwelt in Haran. I'm just giving, I'm, I'm throwing glory scriptures out to you. Let's, uh, what's the next one? You, I gave them to you, you pull it up. What's the next one? Acts, uh, Deuteronomy 5.24. And you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. You know what? There's going to be a fire on this building. The fire department's going to have to come show up because they think there's a literal fire. That's part of what the glory is. I saw the guy next door. I was out in the car praying before service. The guy that owns the business next door, and it came to my mind. I thought, he's going to think this place is on fire. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, is it Exodus or Luke? Exodus. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. If you've ever been in the glory of God, and if you haven't, you'll see it. But there's, it's like us. It's almost like, I remember in one service, I was there, and the glory came, and it was like there was a fog. And I thought, well, I've been crying. So, I'm, you know, I'm oh, it's still there. It's like a fog. It's, it's thick. What's the next one? I just go on to the next one. We're going to do a couple more. Luke 21. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud and power and great glory. Has there been some shaking going on? Has there been some shaking going on? Have you seen the earthquakes? Literal shaking going on? Come on, people. If you open your eyes and see, it's time to prepare. Where are we at? Is that the last one? Yeah. Okay, I got one I want to read you that I don't think I gave them. It's 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Young people, this is it for you too. For whatever fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communication has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with 
Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God he has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen to this. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Y'all want, you all want to be prepared and see something? We've got to move and we got to make some changes. Pastor Cade can't do it. You, when you get ready to leave your home to come to these services, how many times has your spouse done something that just absolutely made your skin crawl, made you mad? I'm not saying guy or girl, either way. How many times did your kids decide to do something crazy? What do you think's going on? The enemy doesn't want you to be prepared to come into this. He does not want you to be prepared. When I was fighting that nasty thing called cancer, I told everybody around me, I said, do not, do not even think about bringing strife into my life. And when they did, I said, get away. I am not walking in it. You cannot receive your healing if you're walking in strife and unforgiveness. Those things got to go. The glory of God can't fall until you get rid of that stuff. Today, everybody stand up. I don't, I don't, you know, this isn't about anybody standing around you. This is about you evaluating you. This is about you thinking about, okay, when Carrie was talking today, God, you slapped me right across the head and said, you need to do this. Are you going to do it? Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.